Welcome everyone, you are listening to the I Am A Sparching Podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show, it will probably suck. I'm Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. On this episode, I got Heather Olson from the Overcome and Run Podcast. She's been doing podcasts for way longer than me. Her podcast is one of the first ones I started listening to way back in the day. I think it was 2016, but anyway, here goes the interview. Heather Olson, what is going on today? Not too much. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on here. And if, for those out there that don't know, Heather runs an OCR podcast called Overcome and Run. And it was actually one of the first OCR podcasts that I started listening to. Oh, that's so good to know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, well, I think the first one I found was Obstacle Dominator, of course. And, mm-hmm. and once I got caught up on all that, I looked for another one, and I think I, st- I found yours, and I found uh, Obstacle Order, and I, I was listening. Oh, wow. But I, I think I've listened to every single one of your episodes. Oh, that's so cool. Thanks so much. Yeah. I drive a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect time for podcasts. Oh, my God. It keeps you awake so much better than music does. Oh, absolutely. Like, I've almost exclusively gone over to podcasts whenever I do my long drives. Oh, yeah. You got to. I remember when I drove to Wintergreen, it was like a 12-hour drive, and I binged Obstacle Dominator the whole way there and the whole way back, and I think that was when I run out and I started listening to Overcome and Run on the way back. Oh, nice. That's awesome. So, uh, Heather, tell us a little bit about, like, how you got into OCR, man. Sure. So uh, it's funny because I actually do not come from an athletic background at all. I mean, I was always a fairly active kid. Um, I grew up playing basketball just recreationally, and um, I would hike with my family. But outside of that, I really didn't do much sports. Um, But uh, I was living in Pensacola, Florida in 2015, and uh, I started doing this running club that was weekly it was a weekly 5k run club and uh i was like this is really fun so i started doing that i was like okay this is this is pretty cool and then i saw that tough mutter was coming to town and i was like oh i've heard of tough mutter um i had seen it on social media and it looked really fun and really active and so i got a group together and i signed up and i was really scared <laughs> because uh at the time it was 13 miles and those obstacles looked really scary, and I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this. And so I went, and I ran it, and uh, I, I wasn't great, <laughs> but I was able to do – I was able to finish it, and I was able to do a lot more of the obstacles than I thought. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is pretty cool. And so between that realization and just the incredible community, just with my very first Tough mutter, I was hooked. So did a few more Tough mutters. And then started doing Spartans, and then the podcast started, and then just sort of took off from there. Cool. I forgot to ask you, like, where you're from, and what do you do for a living? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I am originally from Washington State. I'm living in California now. Um, I am a full-time wedding photographer, so oh, that's cool. my uh, that's my day job. <laughs> so my life basically consists of photography and OCR. <laughs> you don't ever get bored of like taking all the wedding photos. Like, okay, I need you know the bride's <laughs> family, and that doesn't ever yeah. get like monotonous. No, not really. Mainly because every wedding is different. I mean, you have the same basic structure, and you have um, I mean, you have kind of a formula to each wedding. But outside of that, every couple is different, every family is different, every wedding is different. And so it's definitely a very interesting job that keeps you on your toes. <laughs> What's the funniest thing you've ever seen at a wedding? Oh, man. Oh, gosh. I, I've been shooting weddings for 10 years, so there's a very large catalog. It's got to be um, something that sticks out. Though. I think that one of the funniest things I've ever seen was during a reception... Um, it was a smaller wedding in Florida. They had rented out this big beach house <laughs> and, uh, halfway through the reception when, you know, most of the guests are drunk, uh, I saw this, uh, tandem bicycle and it was a three seater and some of the guests were riding this tandem bicycle around the lawn <laughs> and it was pretty hilarious, especially when they went down a hill and one of the groomsmen uh, smashed a very sensitive part of himself on the bike. Oh, man. That's <laughs> it funny. was really entertaining, yeah. Did you ever have, like, you know, like, the bride's parents, like, get mad at you because they didn't get the right pictures they wanted or something like that happen? Thankfully, no. Thankfully, um, I have had pretty great couples, and I usually get along with every couple I have and most of the family, so... Um, I've definitely had some interesting weddings, but nothing like too bad, which is really nice. So do, so that you're a five-star photographer, that's cool. <laughs> I try. <laughs> so do you like living in California now? I heard the gas, gas prices are immensely large out there. They are. Uh, the gas prices are insane, and that is definitely one of the worst parts. But I actually do love living out here. So I'm in Southern California. And being from Washington State, anyone from the Pacific Northwest knows that there's this sort of, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say resentment, but uh, there's this sort of like attitude towards California. It's like, eh, you're from California. There's So I grew up not really ever being interested in traveling to California. I had family there, so I'd go there to see family. Um, but outside of that, I was like, eh, I never really had an interest in, in going to Florida or going to California. Or living there, and so when I moved there, I was like, I wasn't sure how much I'd like it, but oh my gosh, I will say within the first week, I was like, okay, California's pretty cool, <laughs> and uh, I actually like it out here quite a bit. I know Spartans all over the place in California, so there should be plenty of races to do there. Yes, exactly. It's, yeah, that was one of the biggest things, is I was just starting to get into OCR um, when I moved out here, and... Uh, I am very thankful for where I live now because it is such a hub, especially for Spartan, um, because we have, I mean, just off the top of my head, we have at least five or six weekends, uh, Spartan weekends that are within five hours or less um, drive time. And then um, everything else, there's a couple more that are a little farther away, but they're still within driving distance. And so there's a huge, huge um, Spartan community and OCR community down here. So um, it's kind of a hub, which is pretty cool. And because of the weather, you can kind of train outdoors year-round, which is really nice. 
No, that's pretty cool. Around here, yeah. you, it gets pretty cold here sometimes, but you know, mm-hmm. you can usually get out midday and you know do what you got to do. I mean, some days it'll get into the twenties here, but it's not as bad. Well, you literally live in Florida, so you pretty much know about how the weather is over here too. Oh, totally. Yeah, when I like, I was living in Florida when I first got into running, and there were actually some mornings where I was running, and it was about twenty-eight degrees. Yeah, that's pretty cold for Florida. Yeah, definitely. But honestly, I like running in the cold. I miss the cold weather. Well, you're going to World's Toughest, aren't you? (laughs) I sure am. (laughs) The forecast looks a little better than it was last year, but it still looks like really good wetsuit running weather. Right. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that I can just run in my shorty. But we'll see. I'm bringing all my wetsuits just to be safe. Oh, yeah, I would too. I'm going to be there. Yeah. I'm going to volunteer on the day shift, and when it's 8 o'clock, Yay. I'm gone. Y'all can have it. <laughs> That's fair, but oh my gosh, I'm so excited you're going to be there. That's super rad. Well, I, you know, I, I would have loved to have done the race, but man, I'm, I'm already signed up to do the Carolina Ultra, and this is the next weekend, but I am going to oh, do the hot lap on Friday, so I'm looking forward to that. Good, good. Yeah, I'm going to be there doing media. I hope, awesome. I hope they have the stacks up, because I really just want to jump off the stacks. <laughs> And do King of Swingers, too. Yeah, that's a good question. I wonder if they would have the stacks open on the hot lap, because it's oh. kind, of a, kind of a big obstacle. You know, and it makes me wonder. they probably got to have, like, rescue, you know, personnel there. So, I don't know. Hopefully, they'll yeah. have it open. Hopefully, they'll have it open. Hopefully. I wouldn't bank on it, but hopefully. <laughs> and it won't be super cold when we go to. Yeah, that's true. That'll be nice. So, Heather, I've noticed that you've been getting on the podium at some of these uh, the Tough Mudders <laughs> and some Spartans this year. Why don't you tell us a little about that? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> just last year, I last October, my birthday is in uh, the end of October. So as of last year, I started uh, running in the 30 to 34 age group. And uh, at least from the beginning of the year, I was hitting a lot of the age group podiums, which is really exciting. Um, I've never ever considered myself really a fast runner <laughs> right. um but it's just been something i've been slowly chipping away on i've really been putting the miles in and i've been um doing a lot of racing and uh, a lot of um just miles out on the road and on trails and i think it's just slowly paying off which is really nice and um yeah well when i was consistently hitting podiums earlier in the year i was actually kind of surprised because the 30s age group, both uh, both of the 30s age groups are tough. pretty tough. They are they are stiff competition, and so it is no easy task to hit an age group podium, especially in those age groups. So that was really exciting. I've gotten to know um, the age group competitors that I primarily race against as well. Right. So that's really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're out uh, there just running with your friends. It's the, yeah. same, it's the same for us too. I mean, it was like that when I was running elite before they started the age group too. But, I mean, you're out there cheering each other on, even though you're competing against them, you know. Yeah, exactly. And that's honestly one of the things I love so much about OCR is the community and the fact that the sense of community is even there in competition. Like, everyone's still competing, everyone's still racing against each other, but there's still this friendship and camaraderie. In yeah. the competition, which I think is so cool. You're right. It's the, it's the best. I mean, it's out there and you're just having fun, you know, racing with good friends and there's just innocent shit talk and it's just everybody's <laughs> laughing and yeah. ha- having a good time, you know. And 
when the race is over, everybody's just hanging out and talking about how the race went. I mean, it's just it's just the coolest community, you know. It really is. Yeah, I love it so much. So, did have you run any of the uh, the toughest night waves this year? I know you did a relay. Yeah, I have. So, yeah, I did the relay in Vegas just a few weeks ago, and then I actually ran um, solo as an individual in May. I ran Toughest Midwest over in uh, Minnesota, and I got I ended up getting 40 miles there, which is really exciting because... Oh, wow. um, That's contender that, status. Yeah. It's actually, <laughs> fun fact, it's the male contender status. <laughs> Crushing it. Um, yeah. Like, that was a big goal race for me this year. Um, because it was, it was a big goal race. That was my B race. And then world type of smutter is my A race this year. And so it was not an easy 40 miles, but, Ooh. uh, yeah, I got 40 miles out there. It was a really good race, um, solid course. And it was a really good time. 40 OCR miles in 12 hours. That's, that's freaking solid. <laughs> Did you run the whole yeah. 12 hours? <clears throat> yeah, there was only probably in about the last lap is when my legs really started uh, locking up. So I probably ran maybe about thir or sorry, walked only about 30 or 40 minutes of it. But the rest of it, I was pretty much running the whole time. Oh, Not crap. always fast, but <laughs> running. Wow. Like, how did you, like, how, how did you train and how was your mindset going into that, that race? Like, how did you prepare for that race? So what helps is that I've done toughest mutters before, like with back when they were eight hours Right. So I, I've had some experience with the overnight races and endurance races, but honestly, some of the best ways I prepare is I have some friends out here in Southern California that I train with a lot. And so on the weekends, we'll do long training runs of usually anywhere between like 15 to 20 miles. Oh, wow. And then um, we do long hikes. We do other big races. And so... Um, That's definitely good honestly, training. Yeah, and I use um, a lot of my races as training. So even though <laughs> I can't help but be a little competitive, um, most of my races I don't go out at 100% because I view them as training for my A races. Right. And so, um, so yeah, but it's just between a lot of running, <laughs> a lot of running and a lot of racing that I view as training. So if Minnesota was your A race, right? Or one of them. Yeah. So how did you do, when you come into the pit, it's five-mile loops, right? So yeah. what is your strategy coming into the pit? So with Toughest Mutter, I tried not to be in the pit more than about 90 seconds. I had a phenomenal pit crew. Uh, my buddy Ed, he was amazing. Um, he had a cot, and we do like a quick rollout. I would throw back some coffee. It was kind of lukewarm, so I could drink it really quickly. Oh, cool. Um yeah, I would throw back some coffee, maybe a little bit of chicken broth, um, a little bit of food, but I'd really try not to be there more than 90 seconds. And that's going to be my same plan going into World Cup of Smutter. I'm primarily going to try and quick pit the entire race and really not spend more than 60 to 90 seconds in the pit. So now they've thrown in a monkey wrench. You know, they got that halfway pit at like two and a yeah. half miles or so. So <laughs> this being new... What is going to be your strategy coming through that? I honestly don't plan on stopping there at all. Um, I love that coach is going to be there spinning some tunes. That's going to be uh, a little morale boost. But I'm just going to run on by. Um, just because 
for me, it would throw off my rhythm and my pacing and um, my plan if I were to stop every two and a half miles. And so I'm planning on just running on by that pit. (laughs) I don't want to use it at all. Right. So what is your your goal for miles? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I guess enough people... Enough people know it at this point, but I always like get you know superstitious saying it. But I'm I'm going for 75 miles at oh, cool. Worlds this year. Don't they give you a certain bib if you get like every 25 mark or something like that? <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah. There's uh, there's three bibs you can get. You can get a bib, a brown bib for 50 miles, a silver bib for 75, and an orange bib for 100 miles, and you also get an orange jacket. The orange but uh, the, the orange jacket club is very small. <laughs> right. I don't think I'll yeah. ever get an orange jacket. I, you know, I'm going to say I, I'm i not, but I have learned with OCR to never say never. <laughs> Actually, um, I, I mean, I don't think I could ever get 100 at Worlds, but if I'm able to get 75 at Worlds, there is a 100 mile trail race that I have my eye on (laughs) but it it all depends on how world goes first so what are the kind of like aches and pains that you have to deal with during these endurance events and how do you get through them and keep going yeah um I've realized that uh I I don't want to say it's like a full wall. I hit a, I hit a small wall <laughs> at about 15 miles with most of my endurance races um, because that's when my legs are really starting to settle in, uh, so to speak. So around 15 miles is when my legs start to really ache and everything hurts. Like your whole body is just sore. Um, usually my upper body is okay, but it's just my legs are really kind of starting to feel it. But it's this kind of – it. It's like the the wall at the start line in right. Spartan, that, that, that starting corral. Once I get over that little wall at about 15 miles, I can chug on for a long time. Right. You just have to sort of, it's this cool, it's this terrible and cool moment that happens in ultra racing where you're like, okay, everything hurts, I'm in pain, <laughs> but now I'm just going to accept it and just keep on going like a machine. And... Once you kind of, once that, once you kind of accept that and keep going, um, you kind of, well, I personally kind of enter this weird, like, zen where I can just, again, like a machine, just kind of keep on chugging forward, which is really nice. (laughs) That's cool. Well, the good thing is, is it's probably going to be chilly enough. It's going to help numb out some of those pains. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very true. I'm just, I always look forward in ultra racing or ultra OCRs. I always look forward to that moment where I get past that, <laughs> where I enter like my weird zen, like I can run for fifty miles and be fine mode. <laughs> I think I was listening. I think it was I was listening to OCR talk, and I heard um, mm-hmm. they were talking about how, and this was just when they were putting the wetsuits on. You put like a Walmart bag, like on your feet, to help your feet slide through the wetsuit. And I thought, oh yeah, man, that is like the best idea ever i mean because i used to surf and i had a wetsuit and man a wetsuit is a pain to get on and if, <laughs> I, if I knew that trick back then especially like after you you went out there and you jumped in you're like man yeah. it's still cold i'm gonna go put my wetsuit on it's like so much harder to put on when you're already wet too 
so true. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I might try that trick. I mean, it just um, sounded like, I mean, because that plastic against that neoprene, man, it just slide right through. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I still, um, I wear full length leggings underneath and that helps a little bit too. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, I know like when, when you're wearing shorts and you know, and you try to slide your skin through it, man, that doesn't go through oh, good. Not at all. Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> But yeah, I imagine when you're trying to stay super warm, you're probably wearing like compression gear underneath the wetsuit too, right? Yeah. Um, in 2017, I wore full-length pants, um, a full Under Armour cold weather gear top, and then I wore a full-length 3-2 uh, sleeveless wetsuit, and then a windbreaker on top of that. Oh, wow. And that works, that works pretty well for me. Um, like I said, this year, I'm really, really hoping I can just run in a shorty, but underneath the shorty, I would be still wearing that compression hmm. long. Yeah. The compression, the long sleeve and the windbreaker. Right. So when are you planning on putting on the wetsuit? Like when sun goes down or yeah, or just, um, are you going to judge it by feel? I'm going to sort of judge how I feel, but also I'm going to take temperature into account. So I'm going to check the forecast probably the day before. And as the sun goes down, um, I'll probably put the wetsuit on then because that's that's one thing that a lot of people say. You want to get your wetsuit on before you get cold because um, if <laughs> if your body temperature starts to crash, it, you're gonna you're gonna enter this place where you have to stop and really actively try to get warm again. Um, so my plan is to throw on the wetsuit once the sun starts to go down or once the sun is first down. And if I run a little hot, that's fine with me. I can just unzip the wetsuit or even roll it down if I need to, which I did at a toughest event last year. Um, but I'd rather have the wetsuit on and um, just ready if I need it. Hmm. Right. So it's like I went for a run today when I got off work and I want to say it was probably mm -hmm. like 75 degrees, high 70s. But, like, this weekend, a cold front's coming through, and it's going to drop to, like, 39 this weekend. But it's going to go up and probably go down several times before that weekend. So maybe we'll get lucky, and maybe you can have some least high 40s that night, maybe. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. That would be great. Because, like, yeah. you know, low 30s, that's that's just misery. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people, though, where, I mean, it's going to be cold. It's going to be miserable. That's one of those things where when you're running these ultra OCRs you just have to embrace like th th embrace the suck is such a cliche saying but it's so true you just sort of have to embrace the fact that you're going to feel like this until you're done and once you embrace that you can keep going um but I'm one of those people that that I can mentally embrace that and as long as I keep moving I'm <clears throat> excuse me as long as I keep moving I'm okay if I stop that's a different story <laughs> then my body starts to like my core temperature drops and it starts to reset. But as long as I keep moving, I run hot and I'll, and I'm usually fine. And, and, you know, there's a big difference between say running like a Spartan ultra and world's toughest mudder. And the reason why people wear wetsuits when they run world's toughest mudder is because they have multiple obstacles in a five mile loop where you're going to get in the water and go under the water where you're only going to do that once you know, or twice during an ultra, and that's going to be like it rolling yep. mud in the dunk wall. So most yeah. occasions, anyway, unless there's some venue they put a swim in. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that that is the biggest thing. Like, it's not just the cold with these toughest mudder events. It's the wet and the cold. That being wet really, really affects your body temperature. And do they usually, they usually do have the Arctic Enema one. Yeah, they do. But honestly, um, (laughs) usually when it's really cold, Arctic Enema is not even that much worse. (laughs) Oh, really? Well, well, I guess that's a good thing. That's a positive way to look at it. Right? Yeah. Oh, in 2017, Arctic Enema was a penalty. It was a penalty obstacle. And it oh, was wow. probably some of the warmest water on the course. No way. So what, yeah. what obstacle was it a penalty for? Oh, my gosh. It was part of the insanely long penalty for Funky Monkey, which oh, is wow. their monkey bar yeah. uh, obstacle. Um, you, uh, Wow, that was the longest penalty loop, or penalty, yeah, penalty loop um, that I've seen at an obstacle course race. It was probably well over half a mile. And then you'd run out, and then you'd hit Arctic Enema, and then you'd run back up to uh, back up to Funky Monkey. It was probably closer to three quarters of a mile, if not more. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it was a brutal. That's why when Rhea Koble, um, when she won that year, she got ninety official miles, right? But she did so many penalties that she probably came pretty close to a hundred. I know that's the only bummer thing about this year is this year isn't going to bring out the competition or not as much because, you know, they're not doing, uh, you know, awards. Right. Yeah. The prize money. Yeah. yeah. You would have thought they would have um, kept the prize money just for this event. That's, I was, I will say I was very surprised. I understood Tough Mudder taking away money from the tougher waves. Right. Yeah. But totally. I, and, t- and even toughest, I, I understood, but Toughest, world's toughest mutter, which has been their pinnacle event, right. their big, huge competition event. I was a little surprised, but honestly, it's been pretty cool to see how the community is coming together. Um, the tough mutter community is coming together to do some donations to charity for whoever wins. And then um, just the, <laughs> it's really cool. The community is kind of coming together to give the winners some actual prizes, mm. uh, just kind of some random cool stuff. So, uh, I mean, that's one of the big, biggest things that sets Tough Mudder apart is like their community is so tight knit and awesome. And so they really, even though there's no prize money, which is a little bit of a bummer and we won't see as many of the top OCR athletes. Um, it's pretty cool how the, the Tough Mudder community is coming together to get, to give the winners something. And actually we are going to see, yeah. uh, at least we're going to see some pretty good, competition for the women um i don't know if you heard but amelia boone signed up <laughs> yeah i saw that i think i heard that on yeah. somebody else's podcast. maybe i heard that amelia, on a wheels podcast yeah um amelia amelia boone and aaron roast who got second place last year she'll be there and uh for the men trevor psychos and chris mendoza who got chris okay. mendoza got first and trevor got second they'll yeah. both be there I mean, and honestly, so actually, that was the yeah. competition last year was Chris yep. and Trevor anyway because, you know, Ryan Atkins and Ryan Woods, they run on the team. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. So it's actually, it's, it's, and and there are some, even though we don't, you know, have Woods or Atkins or Killian this year, um, there are some pretty phenomenal athletes that aren't as well known that are running. And so it's going to be, it may not be the top competition we're used to, 
but it's still going to be a pretty rad competition, I will say. I know I'm excited. I'm excited to watch everybody. I'm I'm going to be volunteering yeah. on an obstacle. Hopefully, it'll be a cool obstacle to watch people. Yeah, that'll be so cool. It won't be some lame obstacle that everybody can get over or something. <laughs> yeah, for like real. A six foot wall or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's no fun. Yeah. So, uh, Heather, you did your first Spartan Ultra. What, was it a couple weeks ago? Week ago? I did, yeah, about a week and a half ago. And it was one of the new ones that they brought to uh, Southern Cal. Yeah. Where was it at? In Lebec. Lebec. Yeah, so, yeah, a place called Lebec. It's about an hour north of LA. Right. So, how's that? How, what was that venue like? Um, it was good. It was very hilly. <laughs> Have they like, done a race there before, just or like a regular beast before, or was this a brand new venue and everything? So it was, they just added the venue last year. So last year was the first year um, that they had a Spartan race there and they did only the beast and the sprint. And then this year they had the beast sprint and ultra. And so this was the first year they had an ultra there, um, but only this, this is the second year that they'd use that venue. Right. So I saw your post where you were beating yourself up. You ran a lead, <laughs> you got fifth place yeah. and you're beating yourself up over a fifth place elite finish in ultra whatever so what made you decide that hey i want to try spartan ultra and this is what i'm going to do to get it done what was your plan going into this race well i had always wanted to do an ultra but there used to not be very many options for 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 ultras in southern california really the best one or the only one for a long time was tahoe but that's the same weekend as the championship weekend. And I was right. usually running the age group championship race. And so I would never run the ultra. And so I was like, yes, an ultra I can make it to. And, um, I knew it was only a couple weeks before world's toughest letter, which is my goal race. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to go super hard, but the competitive pool for ultra races is still pretty small because it's growing. And I was like, okay, I want to run elite. I'm not going to be super duper competitive. I've got to be careful because I'm only a few weeks out from World Step of Smutter, but I want to run elite and see how I do. And so my plan was just to kind of take it slow and steady, um, but still kind of grind and uh, hopefully learn some lessons for Worlds, which I did. <laughs> and uh, I made a couple of just dumb mistakes that I should have known better having run a lot of these endurance OCRs. And so the second half of my race did not go so well. Um, but I'm really glad I ran it. And I'm actually like Spartan ultras are pretty awesome and they're very different from, um, right. uh, huh? I, was, uh, I just said, right. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're really challenging and they're really different from tough mutters endurance events. And so it was a very cool challenge. And even though like, I did that classic thing where, like, mile 17 or 18, I was like, I don't think ultras are for me. But now, like, a week and a <laughs> half later, I'm like, okay, now, all right, when's my next one? <laughs> I know, man. You find all kind of demons are talking to you in, a, in an ultra, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting because our first – so our first lap was 16 point something miles, and then our second lap was the full beast. So it was 12 point something miles. And so ultra loop on the first lap? Yeah, the Ultra Loop was only on the first lap, and uh, it was just, it was a brutal grind. There were some gnarly hills. Um, 
I think for the whole ultra race, we did over 7,000 feet in elevation. Oh, wow, that was a good race. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty brutal. There were a couple, a couple hills that we were literally on all fours, bear crawling up the hill because it was just steep. That's awesome. So, yeah. So, you said you made a couple of mistakes. What were the mistakes you made? Uh, one big one is that I didn't get enough sleep because... It's relatively close to me. I was like, I'll just wake up and drive in the morning. But it's Ooh. almost a two-hour drive from where I live. <laughs> Ooh, so, no way I would have done that. <laughs> yeah. Because, because you never sleep time. good on race night anyway. You know? Right? Exactly. Mm. And with the ultra, the race starts at 6 a.m. And so I had to leave my place at 3.30 a.m. Oh, so I wow. Just, yeah, I didn't get great sleep. So that was my number one mistake. My number two mistake, which is something... I'm still struggling with, and hopefully, I think I have it, I have a plan for world, so I should be good, but um, I don't think I was eating enough, because one of the cardinal rules with uh, endurance races is that you want to be having roughly 200 calories every hour, and my problem was I didn't want to stop to eat, and so anytime I would be like walking up a steep hill, I was like, okay, now I'm going to eat. But I would only eat like half of a stinger waffle or two chews, and it wasn't nearly enough cal- uh, nearly enough calories. And I would eat eat some of it and be like, okay, I'll finish it in just a little bit. But then an hour and a half would go by, and I didn't eat, and I was like, crap. And so my body just tanked on energy, and my stomach wasn't feeling so well. And so um, I think it just mainly came down to my nutrition. And honestly, I think I got a little bit of heat exhaustion because. Um, it's weird living in Southern California. Usually most of my races are hot races, but this year, most of my races have been pretty cold. And so I, I don't think I was hydrating properly to keep my core temperature down. And so I was getting a little overheated, a little dizzy, um, a oh, little wow. nauseous. And so That's scary. just, just stuff I should have known. <laughs> did you, did you run with hydration or were you just dependent on the uh, water stops? So I ran with a little bit of hydration. I ran with um, uh, a, a hydration belt that had two six-ounce water bottles. Right. And I could have drank more and then refilled it and been just fine, but I wasn't drinking as much of it as I should have. Did you put anything in the water, like non-tablets or anything like that? No, and that was another mistake that I learned <laughs> that I'm going to correct for Worlds. Um, I think for Worlds, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do one bottle is going to be water and one's going to be electrolyte water. Because mm-hmm. um, that's one thing with my ultras that I didn't do is I, I was not taking in electrolytes. And I think it really affected me. Right. Because, I mean, you said you were using like chews and waffles. Do you not like the goos or whatever? Um, or like gels? I like the gels, but I didn't pack enough. Like, honestly, that's, again, (laughs) all these lessons I learned at the Ultra I'm going to apply towards Worlds. Um, My plan for Worlds is to go primarily liquid calories and primarily do the gels. Because I can do the gels just fine, but I just didn't pack enough. I happened to have more chews, and so I just brought more chews with me. And I realized... What works for me, like in, like in the pit, I can actually eat, um, and I can eat in 90 seconds, but yeah. when I'm running out on It's course, hard to eat when chew and run, and yeah. Yeah, Even exactly. when your heart rate's going and you're walking up a steep hill, it, it's still kind of hard to chew and mouth breathe at the same time. Right, exactly, yeah. So I think my, my plan for Worlds is 
Um, anything outside of the pit is just going to be gels. Because I actually, I don't mind the gels. I like the taste of a lot of them. And I can throw back like one or two just fine as long as I have a little bit of water. Right. L- let me tell you this, and I mentioned this to everybody that I talk to that runs Ultras. And there's two brands that make them. And uh, I forget what the other one is, but the one I use is called Science and Sport or SIS. And it's, it's what it call it's an isotonic uh, gel. It's kind of lower on the electric light side, but it has, you know, it's got your calories and your carbs in it. And yeah. it's a little bit longer than, say, like your typical gel pack, but it's skinnier. But it's got the consistency of milk where it's, it's thinner. It's not thick. Like, and it goes down so much easier, and it's water-based. So, I mean, it, and it tastes like Gatorade flavors. So they're really good. They go down easy. And since they don't have a lot of electrolytes in them, I always use some of the electrolyte pills that Hammer Nutrition sells. You know, it's supposed to be like oh yeah the pure broad spectrum or whatever their sales pitch is. And But you can actually like swallow a pill with this gel because it's, it's so watery. And so that's why, I I mean, I love those gels, but yeah, and, uh, man, they just work so good. And, and I, when I did, and I I listened to a podcast that had, I think Ryan Kent was on it and he was talking about when he ran at West Virginia, he said he, he's been having problems with nutrition too. And he said he hit, I think he said he hit his first gel like in 20 minutes or first thing of calories in 20 minutes of the race. Yeah. And when I did Killington, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try that. And so I went 30 minutes in and I think I was, I was eating or drinking something or, or drinking fluid, uh, calories every 45 minutes at least. Yeah, and, that's a great idea. Cause I think that's my problem. I, uh, again, I always wait too long at the start yeah. and you, you, you never want to start out with the deficiency. And yeah. so I think that's, I have to change my race strategy to be eating within the first 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah. And it's like, you don't want it, you know, you don't want it. And it, I said, <laughs> oh, well, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I said, well, I'm, I'm just going to make myself do this, you know, just take the time. And then, you know, I just tried to keep an eye on my watch and just make sure I was feeding myself properly. Cause when I went to Killington last year, I bonked on the second lap, you know, I just, I had just a slow finish pace and, you know, no extra gas. And, yeah. and this year, it, it just worked so much better. And, I, you know, I got to the drop-in area and just pounded a lot of – I drank a lot of calories because I already had some stuff up in a shaker cup. I think I had, like, Enduralite and uh, I think I had a pack of Heed from Hammer, which is, like, liquid calories and carbs, too. Oh, yeah. I had those, like, mixed together, and I'd never tried that before until that day and so i just opened up my bucket and shook it up and drank it and i was like wow that's different you know but just you know you gotta do what you gotta do so i just guzzled it down and put a bunch of fun size snickers in my hand and just ran off eating yeah. those yeah just i'm works. bringing a bunch of uh fun size twix to world <laughs> yeah man they, they they work good and it's just that that and those that's kind of like the answer to the craving too because they got a little bit of salty and a little bit of sweet to it yeah, definitely. They work really great. So when you come into the drop bin area after your first lap, like what's going through your head and like what did you have in your drop bin? So I didn't have a ton of stuff in my drop bin. My plan going into the ultra was not actually to 
stay in the transition area. Um, <laughs> my body was already starting to crash a little bit at that point, though, so I stayed in there a little longer than I should. Um, a wonderful uh, age group racer, Rachel Munoz, um, she's one of the top age group racers out here, and she's a wonderful friend. Uh, she was trying to, like, bust my ass to get out of there, and I eventually did get out of there in about five minutes. But um, my plan, I brought my hydration vest just in case. Mm -hmm. um, which I didn't end up using, um, just cause Spartan has so many water stations. That right. was okay. Um, I brought some just extra food, um, any supplies I might need just in case like KT tape or band-aids or, and things like that. Um, I didn't really, I ate a little bit of the food that was in my drop in, but not much at that point. I was just tired. <laughs> right. Like my, my body was just crashing a little bit, but, um, yeah, I didn't bring it a lot for for ultra because one thing I learned running uh, world's toughest in seventeen and the other toughest is that you can bring a giant bin, but you're really only going to use like right. a quarter of it, maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I brought, um, I didn't even bring that much stuff and used only a tiny portion of it. Yeah, I usually just put, like, emergency stuff in there. Like, if my shoes yeah. go out, i got a spare pair in there, but definitely not changing them. It's like you said, you just want to restock, get some calories, and get out of there, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people look at that, the transition area as a pit stop, you know, and a time to rest before you go out on the second lap, but you can't look at it like that. You have to look at no. it as this is an obstacle, this is slowing me down and I've got to get through it, you know? Yes, exactly. Like stopping. Yeah. If you have a mileage goal or a time goal, stopping is killer. Like you do not want to stop. You want to, and I, I made the mistake with the ultra because I was just feeling miserable and I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because once you stop, it sets off a chain reaction of, then you have to start again. But then yep. as you start again, you're like, well, I've already stopped once. So I'm going to start again. And then you find yourself stopping like several more times. So as long as you could just stay on your feet and keep going and keep grinding, that's like the biggest piece of advice. Anytime anybody asks me about, you know, any advice for endurance OCRs, I'm like, just keep moving. Yeah. Just keep moving. Yeah, Do don't, not stop. Don't sit down. Keep moving. I'll be walking around in the pit area just long enough to drink what I got to drink and, you know, reload. You know, I don't, I don't sit down, you know, and. I'll bend over to squat down and get stuff out of the bucket, but, you know, that's it because I want to get out of there as quickly as possible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and even with these overnight races, it's not just about the cold. Uh, whether it's an overnight race or a Spartan Ultra, it's about your legs, really. Right. <laughs> if you stop, your legs are going to just start locking up, and, and your yep. the aches and pains are like, your body's going to be like, oh, you're done? Okay, now we're going to hurt. It's like... You need, as long as you keep going and stay in that grind, you can go for 30 miles and be fine. Yeah, it's like you've been driving in a car for a long time, you know, and you feel comfortable and everything's good. But when you go and stop and you get out of that car, you're like, whoa, why is everything kind of stiff? Yep. You know? it yeah, happens exactly. just that quick. So you just want to keep, yeah, you want to keep your legs moving, your muscles limber, and just keep moving. <laughs> right. Yep. So how did you, I mean, now that you've done an ultra, if you do another one, what are you going to do differently? 
So the number one thing I'm going to do is eat at about 30 minutes in. (laughs) And uh, so make sure that I'm constantly eating. I'm going to make sure I have electrolyte water. And now I just kind of know what to expect better. With with endurance OCRs, I'm so used to the Tough Mudder format where you have at least the option of a pit every five miles. And with ultra, you can go as far as 16 miles without any semblance of a break. And so um, my biggest thing is just better food and better uh, water. Um, But yeah, just kind of between that and getting plenty of sleep. Those are the big three things I'm focused on, getting a lot of sleep the day before. Awesome. Have you picked another one out yet? Um, I have my eye on uh, Los Olivos. It's this new venue right. that Spartan added. It's in March, in right? Isn't it in March? Well, it, it is also in March. It's really right. weird. They added the venue this year in December, um, the weekend after we have a sprint weekend in Castaic, which is a Castaic in, it's pretty close to Lebec, actually. It's about an hour north of LA. And then Los Olivos is on the coast about an hour and a half or two hours northwest of LA um and they added that in mid-December and it's going to be an ultra beast and super weekend that's cool and I'm yeah I'm waiting to see how so many races around y'all I know right I was like oh you guys are adding another one okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but I'm excited I'm, I'm gonna be there no matter what but whether I'm running the beast or the ultra kind of depends on where my legs are going to be at um, post World Steppest Matter. Yeah. A lot of people think that next year is going to be the year of the ultra for Spartan. And I mean, they're popping yep. up everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's getting more and more popular. I think that one in Montana would be really, really cool. Yes. I'm going to be in Montana no matter what, but I'm still oh, trying cool. to decide whether I'm going to do the Beast or the Ultra. Have you gone to the Montana venue before? Yes, I raced it in 2017, and to date, it is still one of my favorite Spartan courses. It's absolutely beautiful, really dynamic, um, a very, very cool course. It lo- Every time I see people post pictures of it, it looks like one of the coolest, one of the prettiest venues to go to. So if it I was really if I was going to fly to the West Coast to do a race, is that the one you would suggest? Yeah, I mean, technically that one's not so West Coast, <laughs> but know, if you're going to... But- yeah, if you're going to come west of the Rockies, right? definitely the Montana course is phenomenal. The Utah course they used this year as well, actually, was, it was good. really it was really gorgeous. It was super runnable while still being challenging. Um, and they're actually going to have a beast, I think, on that course this year, if I'm oh, not mistaken. That makes that more tempting, because if I'm flying somewhere, yeah. I really would rather fly to do a beast. Yeah, I think they're going to do a beast at the Utah course, and I just I can't wait to run that one again. Right. I absolutely loved it this year. What is your idea? Um, what do you think about the Big Bear? Have you done that one? <laughs> yes, I have. I've done it for the past, what, 2019? Past three years. Is it a suck um, race? <laughs> it, my goodness. Um, it's weird. It's different. In that it's not really a runnable course. Um, there are sections that you can run, but mostly because the hills are so intense, right? you find yourself hiking most of the race. So you're hiking, and then some of the downhills are so intense 
that it's like really brutal on your knees. Uh, so I, don't say I mainly, <laughs> yeah, I keep doing that one because I keep wanting to do better. Right. <laughs> Most of my races there have not been great. Um, it's just, it's incredibly, I, I'd argue that it's one of the most challenging courses that Spartan has. Um, because I mean, I know Killington is really intense as well, but, um, Big Bear has the elevation, which is the game changer. And so you're doing this intense, difficult course and these crazy hill climbs, but you're also doing them at 8,000 feet. (laughs) And so it's, uh, it's just a brutal race all around. And so if you want a really, really intense challenge, (laughs) definitely do the Big Bear course. See, I've yet to do a race at elevation. Oh, really? I mean, I've done Killington, but I, it, I don't think that gets up but to like maybe 4,000 feet, which that's not that's not very much. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Elevation is a total game changer. I get I, – I'm not too terribly afflicted by it, but I am afflicted by it to a certain degree because uh, I definitely get a little bit nauseous when I run at elevation. Um, just a slight – nausea and so that's just one more awesome thing i have to deal with (laughs) when i'm racing those courses like it's a whole other element that you really have to deal with and handle when you race uh venues like big bear yeah see i had asthma as a kid i mean i still have it but it doesn't flare up unless i'm just totally sucking wind and it's like 20 degrees outside or if i'm having an allergic reaction to something so i'm I rarely have to use my inhaler, but it makes me wonder if I ran a race that was at elevation, would it make it flare up? You know, um, it might. <laughs> um, I've heard where some because, people's have. Yeah, yeah, just because the air is so much thinner right. up there, and so it. it um, I don't have asthma, so I'm not 100 percent sure, but I feel like it might. Yeah. All right, Heather. So. We're coming up on time, and I've got a bunch of questions. I always ask everybody that comes on the show. Okay. So, to date, what has been your best race, your most favorite race, and why? Oh, gosh, that's really a tough question. I should have thought about this one first. Um, I think my favorite race so far has been OCRWC in Canada. Um, I ran it in 2017. I loved it so much because I loved the international feel. It really did feel like the Olympics of OCR, um, just seeing everybody from all the different countries. And I loved having all the upper body obstacles. Like that was so cool. Like having all these different, crazy, unique obstacles I'd never seen before. Um, it just felt like a whole different challenge and I absolutely loved it. And so I think, that's probably one of my one of my favorite races, and I I think one of my best races would be Tevis Mudder Midwest, where I got forty miles. I if you had told me three years ago that I would have gotten forty miles in a twelve hour race, I would have not believed you at all. <laughs> and so I think that's my best race to date. I know if you would have told me before I was doing OCR that I would have ran a, a half a marathon beast, I would have told you, no way, I'm. All I do is 5Ks. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Well, it's like I mentioned earlier. That's why I've learned to not say I could never do this or I will never do this because Mm. I have proven myself wrong time and time again. Um, I remember when I ran my first half marathon, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to run a marathon. (laughs) And two years later, I ran a marathon. And I remember when I ran 
50 miles at World's Toughest Mudder, and I was like, oh my god, I'm never going to run a 100-mile trail race. And now I have my eye on a 100-mile trail race. It's like, you just you learn to, especially with the sport, you learn to not give yourself limits because you are capable of pushing past those limits. And so, uh, it's just what I love so much about it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how little the memory of the suffering stays with you after these events. Right? Exactly. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> I know. When I was halfway through the lap at Killington, I was thinking, I'm not doing any more ultras ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, just, yeah. you, you just get these demons in your head, and you're like, why am I doing this? And it's, ah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. Um, cause I had that thought at the ultra and I had the thought at worlds in 17. I was like, Nope, never doing this again. And then, sure enough. <laughs> and then you sign up for it and, or like a week later, you're like, Oh, it wasn't that bad. I'd do it again. You know? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. You forget the pain and you remember the triumph. Exactly. And it's all worth yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. Okay. So what has been your worst race or the race you hated the most and why? Ooh, um, I never say I hate a race. Maybe it's because I'm a slightly optimistic person, <laughs> and I try to, I try to find the lesson in everything. But I remember clearly, it was the first super that I ever did. It was 2016. I had just moved to California, and it was the San Jose venue, also mm-hmm. known as Diablo Grande. And it is infamous for having some insane hills. And that was when they, this was the last year that they had it in the middle of summer. So it was July in central California. And I was running in the open waves. So I ran at 11 um, a.m. And so it was over 100 degrees. And the water stations were either out of water or the water that they had was hot. And I was was severely dehydrated. I considered uh, calling medical multiple times. Um, (laughs) I hate to admit it now, but I was, I wasn't open. I had to skip the, uh, I had to skip the carries because at that point I just needed to get off the course. (laughs) I needed to be done. And I was like, okay, I need to get out of here. And uh, I finished that race and this was only my second Spartan race. And it was my first race in California, and I very clearly remember thinking, oh, my God, if this is OCR in California, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was so bad. But thankfully, again, had some time to rest and recover and uh, kept on racing. When was your first Spartan? My first Spartan was in, uh, I believe they still have the venue. It was in Fort Benning. It was a military sprint. Oh, wow, I did that one. I've done all those. Yeah. They didn't have it this yeah. past year. Yeah, that one was uh, in 2000, April 2016, and uh, again, I was scared for Spartan because it looked more physically difficult, but uh, I was able to to get through it, and I fell in love with Spartan just as much as I fell in love with Tough Mudder. That was the year they found the rattlesnake on the trail. I remember that year. Oh, really? Yes, they did. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) That was, like, probably one of the most, I mean, besides them the having, like, the paratroopers jump out of the plane or the helicopter at the beginning of the race, and I think they only did that two years that they had it there. That mm-hmm. was, like, one of the flattest, boringest military races. 
Yeah, but you know what? For my first Spartan, I'll take it. Oh yeah, I mean it was. I mean it was definitely. You know, it was a good race. You know, and they did what they could with the venue, but seemed like right. Was that the year there was just a bunch of mud puddles and we were running down that service road? I think it was. I think so. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I remember tripping and falling in it a couple of times. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, I hate that we lost that venue just because that one was only like an hour and a half away from my house. So. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a cool one to go to. And, I mean, that yeah. was – I mean, there's a – technically the Fayetteville race is a military race too, but it, mm-hmm. typically I'm always got – I'm usually on vacation or something's going on the week they have that one. So I didn't get a military oh. race in at all this year. Oh, that's such a bummer. I I am hoping to be able to speak to someone at Spartan because I am of the firm belief that we should have a military sprint out here in California, which I know, I know, they keep giving us races. Yeah, they got a race there every weekend almost. Yeah, <laughs> but I think we could have a military sprint because we have Camp Pendleton out here, um, just north of San Diego. I bet there's a bunch of military bases out there, right? Oh, there are. Yeah. Well, in San Diego is one of the largest naval bases in the country, Oh wow! but just north, um, is Camp Pendleton and they actually host their own, uh, small obstacle course race mud run every year. And it's like, okay, well there's a venue, they host it and there's a huge OCR presence out here. So I'm hoping next year to, to get someone in Spartan's ear and really kind of sell that idea. Oh, yeah. I don't see why they couldn't. I mean, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Heather. So, like, you're coming into a race weekend. you got a big race going on. Like, what is mm-hmm. your race ritual? What are you doing the night before? What are you eating? What are you eating for breakfast the next morning? You know, what so, supplements are you taking? If you're doing a double weekend race, how are you recovering yeah. after the race? So going into the race weekend, uh, I am, well, I'm drinking a lot of water all week, but right. definitely the day, the day and the night before I'm drinking a ton of water. Um, uh, I usually have a lot of carbs. Sometimes it's in the form of rice or it can be pasta. I have a lot of broccoli. Um, I have no scientific reason for it. I just, <laughs> I'm like something green and now it's my ritual. And so, um, I have a lot of rice and broccoli or pasta and broccoli. And normally what I try and do, if it's anything under a piece, I just won't eat breakfast. And so I just eat a lot of food the day before and then go into my race without a breakfast, um, just using the calories from the dinner the night before. Huh. If it's a beast, I'll usually do, uh, like a breakfast sandwich. So some sort of muffin, eggs and bacon, right. um, some sort of combo of those three. Um, so that's usually yeah, <laughs> just, that's my food and water. And then I just am nervous all night. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then as far as recovery, my favorite post-race meal is Chipotle always. And then, um, I, my, <laughs> my friends have some of those hypervolt guns. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Those uh, you know, are cool. the, yeah. Those massager guns. I usually have a session with those massager guns. I try and get, um, an Epsom salt bath if I can, or in a hot tub and just rest my legs. Cool. Well, Heather, I'm all out of questions. Is there, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I got another question. Okay. So, okay. Tell us something. This is a new question. 
Um, I've only asked it a couple of times. Chris oh, totally okay. messed this up. So <laughs> what is something that most people don't know about you? Oh, gosh. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of a good one. <gasps> Sorry. Um, that's my dog. So most people don't know that I have a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I can speak a little German and I have some German heritage. So anytime I see Germans at a race, like I literally saw a group from Germany at the Tough Mudder I ran last week and I got so excited. I was like, I can speak German with them. And so that's a little known fact. I can speak a little, little bit of conversational German. So anytime I run an international OCR and I see Germans, I was like, yay, (laughs) I just my German. That's a, a little known random fact. That's pretty cool. So, all right, Heather, yeah. well, uh, you want to tell everybody where they can uh, find your podcast and uh, find you on, like, social medias and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can go to the podcast website, which is overcomeandrun.com, or the Instagram, which is at overcomeandrun. Um, also, the Facebook, overcomeandrun. And then my personal Instagram is at Heather Catherine's, uh, with a C O. So, at Heather Catherine O is my personal one. And, yeah, that's where you can find me. And if you ever see me and Heather at a Spartan race, grab us some Gone Rogue chips because apparently me and her, yes. are the only, me, are, me and her, are the only ones that like them. The only people in the entire <laughs> OCR community, apparently. Oh man! I had like an extra bag at my girlfriend's house, and uh, we had like some hummus, and I was using the buffalo ones with hummus. Oh man, that's the jam. Yeah. That is that the jam. That sounds so good. Yeah. They are good chips. Yes, they are a they different are. texture, but they are good chips yep. i like them the textures we, I, like i said i wouldn't pay for them but as long as spartan's giving them away hey i got a truck right? that's empty yeah and, and most exactly. of the time they'll hand you like a whole case of them when you walk out because nobody's getting them anyway <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i've ended up with so many free you've got road trips chips it's insane Right. So what is like because you you get like a case of like celsius for winning the race at uh tough mutter right yeah, for the Tougher Mutter, which is their competitive way. Yeah, they yeah. give you a case of Celsius. So I, I've been hitting the, the podium for the past few Tougher Mutters I've ran. So I have a lot of Celsius in my fridge right now. So what's better, Fit 8 or Celsius? Oh, God, that's a hard question. Because I actually really like Fit 8, too. Yeah, I do, too. As long as it's free. Ooh, it's too expensive yeah, to buy right. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would say Celsius just because there's a lot more flavors. Like, oh, yeah. they have a wide variety of flavors, which is pretty cool. I don't think I've ever tried one. Maybe I can get one at Tough Mudder next weekend. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you can. They're really good. <laughs> All right. Cool, Heather. Well, hey, I want to uh, thank you again for uh, coming on the show, and uh, I want to wish you luck at World's Toughest Mudder next weekend. Yeah. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you out there. Heck, yeah. We'll see you then. Yep. Bye. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Heather again for taking the time to come on the show. And I encourage you to go and check out her podcast, Overcome and Run. She's been doing it for way longer than I have. And she's interviewed a bunch of the top elites and pro athletes. And she's done a bunch of really great finish line interviews. Also, I wanted to share with everybody that uh, after the Atlanta Super Race... You know, I had a decent race, and, you know, I run clean, but my running just fell off. I just, I didn't feel like, I feel like I'm getting slower, and uh, 
and I was talking to my buddy Bruce Jackson about it, and I've had him on the show a couple of times. And, uh, you know, Bruce had a pizza business, a, a pizza restaurant, you know, and he ended up selling it to go into personal training full time. And so just think about that for a second. The dude sold out on pizza to start training full time. Who sells out on pizza, man? Somebody who cares about training. Anyway, so I was talking to him about it and, uh, you know, I thought he was just doing like weight training and like OCR specific training, but he told me he's actually, you know, training, he's going to start training the cross country team and, uh, he's been training some runners already. And I said, man, I would like for you to give me a running plan because my running training has just kind of been stagnant. Like I would just kind of go out and run like, okay, I'm going to run hard today. And I would just run hard and feel like crap. And then I just back off, you know, so my running just hasn't been what it used to be when I'm training, I guess that makes sense. So Bruce hooked me up with a running plan and I'm in the fourth week now. And this plan he's prescribed to me, I don't think, I, I mean, there's no way I would have picked this out for myself because it's really pushing, it's pushing me hard. And I never thought I would be somebody who could do track work and actually enjoy it. And which you don't have to do it on a track either. I've just, that's what I've chose to do it on. in just around town in my neighborhood, it just seems to be, the flattest place to go where there's no traffic and I've actually started to really enjoy doing these track workouts that he's programmed for me and I can totally I just feel way more positive about my running and where it's going you know whether I'm getting faster or not just this programming is just it's making me feel better at harder efforts and I'm really enjoying it. So if, if your running has just gotten stagnant to you and you feel like you need just like a good running plan, I suggest you, you know, check out my buddy Bruce. He's on Instagram. I think he's got a Facebook page too, but he's on Instagram more than he's on Facebook. But it's Bruce Jackson. And uh, you can reach out to me too and I'll get you in touch with him. But, uh, I mean, he's, he's new to the scene you know, he's crushing age group races, and the dude's good enough he could run elite, too. So, if you feel stagnant in your running plan, uh, get in contact with him, because he could hook you up with a good running plan that I think you'll get some benefits out of, because I can tell already it's benefiting me, and uh, even got my girlfriend doing it, too, and she's enjoying it, and she's telling me, too, that she's doing stuff that she would have never done on her own. And one good thing about Bruce is, is he's, you know, even though he lives in Florida and I live here, he's very hands-on to where, you know, I'll be texting him about a workout and he'll be like, just call me and we'll talk about it. And I just feel like he's, he's more personal with who he's training than a lot of these other guys out here that just got workout websites that you just go to and then you get your workout and you go do it. And, um... Anyway, I just wanted to mention that because I really, it, I really feel like it's it's helping me a lot, and I just wanted to share it with you and maybe help him out too, since he started this new venture. And the dude sold out on pizza. I mean, fuck. But anyway, 
but if you need a running plan, I, I, I encourage you to check out Bruce Jackson on Instagram. Uh, no new reviews. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I also want to congratulate everybody that went to uh, the Sparta Trifecta Weekend. Ireland did great out there. Cole DeRosa got first place in his age group for all three races. want to give him a big shout-out, man. That's just super impressive, just going out there and enjoying that trip and just bringing back first in your age group in all three races. That's just freaking awesome, man. Super proud for that guy. Dude is just a real good friend and just mad props to him. Like I said, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Leave a review. I'll read it. I'll be at World's Toughest Motor next weekend. I'm doing the hot lap. My buddy Michael sold out on me. He's going on some trip with his family or something. What kind of shit is that? But anyway, I'll be at the hot lap on Friday. I think me and Jacob Bosek are going to hang out and do it. So if you want to come and hang out, come find me. Going to volunteer. Uh, I think my shift is 10 to 8 uh, during the event on Saturday. So come up to me and say what's up. We'll see you there. Peace.